Oh, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. It's Rob Case. And Trevor Koppel. Trevor, welcome to the AFC Championship, NFC Championship game week. We made it this far, week 20. And uh, I tell you, I wouldn't be, I'd be remiss to say if I wasn't a little sad that we're coming to the end of the NFL season right now. It's, it's been, it's been a good one. Sloppy one, but a good one. Yeah, it's really close. It's, uh, there's only three NFL games left. It's, we're, we're almost done. (laughs) I see you left the Pro Bowl out once again, but, uh, I'm not going to be upset being a Pro Bowl, Pro, Pro Bowl guy. I am Pro Pro Bowl. So are, are they having, are they having a game this year? No, sir. They'll instead have a skills competition, which is probably, um, it's probably the right call at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Considering, uh, you know, it's a terrible game. Just absolutely horrible. So. Yeah. Uh, It'll be. And it's not in Honolulu, Hawaii. Was it? uh, It's not even in Hawaii. Where is it? Vegas? No, it's in, it's in like Orlando. Ah, Orlando. Okay. Who cares? All right. Right, so like Jacksonville, actually. I, I don't know, but it's not... Look, I'm a pro Pro Bowl guy only because I love the years when it was actually competitive, and I right. love the quarterback club. I loved the quarterback competitions, and then just throwing darts all over the field and, like, those little areas. And then they would do, like, the beach game, but they stopped doing that because a guy tore his ACL. So, right. you know, you should probably shut it down after that, but nonetheless... Trevor, I got to ask you a question, and I'm curious about what your opinion is about this. What if I told you, would you be surprised if I told you that the NFL was trying to plan the conference championships to be at neutral sites so they could monetize it? Would you be surprised? I mean, that's not that surprising. Any Anything they can do to monetize further, uh, they jump at. So, Do you think it's a good idea? Are, are you talking about, like, both upcoming championship games? Not these ones, but next year. Next year? I mean... They're, gonna, they're, they're planning on telling... They're not telling us it, but I think the writing's on the wall. That they'll, they'll put them on neutral sites. I mean, I, I, I understand. A lot of people are going to, you know, have a problem with it because it's change. Um, I, honestly, I don't see a big problem with it. Just like... Uh, when they added the extra wild card team and restructured the length of the regular season, like these are all things that are different. Um, whether or not they're better, time will tell. But you know, the the big thing to me, the big change here is that it's impossible to have home field advantage in a championship game that's at a neutral site. Um, and uh, and you know, I understand why some people are going to be upset about that, but. Uh, you know, I, I do think one of the things I like about the NFL is is it's just, you know, the rules are the rules. Uh, it's a very clear-cut path to the Super Bowl. Can you do what you need to do to get there? Um, it's not like, you know, the, the bowl championship series that we had in, in college football for so long where it was largely up to opinions at the end of the season as to who was – going to get to play in, in the best bowl games. So, you know, I, I understand why some people are not going to like it. Me, personally, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. Um, I'm impartial to it, but let me put it like this, right? <clears throat> I think, and, and obviously there's there's a reason behind it. They want to make more money. 
They want to make it a bigger attraction, maybe get more TV rights for it because now it's at a neutral site. So it seems like a bigger deal, right? Because it's so special. We have to put it somewhere where we can split the audience, right? Um, half the stadium would be Chiefs fans. The other half would be Bengals fans, right? It takes away this, it, to me, and this is just me talking, look, I'm an old school football fan guy. I think it takes away from the, the special nature of an AFC championship game, an NFC championship game. It gets played at a home stadium. The crowd's up. As a home field advantage, that's why else would there be any reason to have a one seat other than a bye, you know? Which a right. bye is important, don't right. get me wrong, but it's also important that you get to play the championship game in your building, and there's a special atmosphere to that. Um, I, I don't know, I think it kind of, um, what's the right word here, kind of neutralizes some of the things that are special about these championship games. Well, and so, I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't really like it. I, I see. Like I see what you're saying so, because the uh, the thing to look for here is who who loses, right? Who loses in right. this? And the 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 loser here is the home crowd. Um, you know, if, if you're a, an Eagles fan in Philadelphia and you don't get to see, you know, there's no guarantee that you're moving on to the Super Bowl, right? Uh, right. If you don't get to watch that championship game in your stadium. If you have to travel to, you know, St. Louis or Chicago or something, I don't know, wherever they pick to put these neutral games, uh, that's 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 going to be a lot harder for a lot of these fans to, to do, to afford, to make time and to travel and, and pay for all that when you could be watching your conference championship at home in your home stadium. So I see where you're, I see where you're going. Yeah, I think there's just the atmosphere just adds to it. And not that I'm saying it wouldn't be ruckus if you had 50-50, and maybe depending on where it is, it'd be easier for certain fans to travel there. Um, I just I just like the idea of it playing, being played in a home stadium and that being the crowd and a little I, bit more energy to it. I do you know? like that too so. because I also, you know, when when the Minnesota Vikings aren't in the mix, I really... I really tend to back the the underdog team. And when you're the road team at the conference championship level and you move on to the Super Bowl, that's that's a big feather in your cap, you know? So yeah, uh, you, yeah. you you have a neutral field, it's less of an underdog, you know? So <clears throat> here's the reason why I bring this up. Apparently there was discussion about the Bills-Chiefs game being a, a neutral site. Actually, it wasn't discussion. It was supposed to be, if it was going to happen, right? So they theoretically sold 50,000 tickets in 24 hours. Whoa. Yeah. They did sell them, and obviously it didn't happen, so they refunded them. But <clears throat> they sold them 50,000 in 24 hours. So, like, that's got to say something to the NFL in terms of, you know, should we have this game at a neutral site? Would it sell? Yeah. It would, and it would sell really fast, <laughs> and they wouldn't have to worry about anything if it not looking full. It would be like a conference championship atmosphere in college football. Um, you know, you could make it. You could have a bye week in between there. You can make it a whole weekends where it's like an NFL fan experience, like the Super Bowl, because you're gonna have multiple fans there. You know, um, people can travel that aren't fans of that team, and it would it wouldn't be like going to a hostile hostile atmosphere. And there's a lot of I guess, uh, intrinsic value to that, you know? Yeah. But if you're a football fan, you're telling me you're like, 
Would you rather go to a neutral site championship game or you can go to Kansas City, even if you're not a Kansas City fan, you go to Kansas City, you can sit in the, the stands and just enjoy the atmosphere. I, I'd take that 10 times out of, out of the week and twice on Sunday. You know, that's kind of where my heart is for football. I prefer to see it played authentically in a real environment that isn't sort of simulated. I just feel like it dulls down that effect of the playoffs a little bit, you know? I see what so. I see what you're saying, and yeah, I think yeah. Uh, uh, you know I I don't know because I don't have the uh, the good fortune to have ever had season tickets. Uh, do the season tickets uh, does that include home playoff games? No, sir. No, okay, okay, because that <laughs> that would be the other part of it is it devalues those if that were the case. But uh, no, there is no. No devaluing that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. No, they pay for them. I think at face value. I'm not sure how it works, but nonetheless, um, it's just an idea. I heard it. <clears throat> excuse me on the on the radio. It's been on Pro Football Talk for the last like week or two. It's kind of interesting. You think about it. I think it's, but I, I do think it's something they do next year. I don't think there's even a question. Yeah, I'm, they're, they're gonna they're gonna change it. I'm coming around on being slightly against it uh, because I do think that these big important games you know i want you know like for instance this uh nfc championship game i I don't have a dog in this fight um but i want the game whether it's played in san francisco or philadelphia uh i want that stadium packed with legitimate fans of one or the other team you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. Not not to say that I couldn't be that guy who went to one of these games just to see good football, um, but like I feel like that would take away from the collective experience if if most of the people there, or even a big, even if a big portion of the people there were neutral fans of the game, um, I, I want it to be packed with the zealots that are just going to lose their minds uh, because this is the championship. So. So yeah, I think I'd yeah, rather likewise. keep them. I think I'd rather keep them home games. <clears throat> I want the fat guys. I want the mafia people. <laughs> I want it all. <laughs> I want the diehard fans. I want like all the stupid fire firefighter people. You know, <laughs> like whatever. I don't know. I that, that's that's what I want. You know, I want the the ninety year old grandma and like the twenty five year old frat boy. You know, and I want people breaking through tables. And yeah, I don't want this sterilized environment. I'm just, just here to see NFL. a good game. I'm just here. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. I just want both teams to have fun, right? And I want that. We get that at the Super Bowl, man. We talked about last year. I thought the Super Bowl in L.A. last year was the worst Super Bowl crowd and environment I'd ever seen. It, it was so sterilized. It was in L.A. It was all celebrities. Granted, it's a cheap, it's a very expensive ticket. It's in Arizona this year. I'm sure it's a lot cheaper. And grant, by the way, I looked them up. They're $8,900 a piece, so good luck. They're going there, um, but it was so cringy. How how like you know I, I didn't I didn't like the environment at all for last year's Super Bowl. It just made me uncomfortable watching the game, and they it was just all celebrity shots twenty four seven, and it didn't feel like you know football is a game where everybody can enjoy it, and we all have an opportunity to go to some degree, you know, or sit at our home and have a team that's thirty two teams. And you can say it about a lot of sports, particularly the Super Bowl is so special because it's one time. You get two teams, pinnacle of their perfection and competition. You get the commercials, the all the the the, the um, 
pageantry and it's limited to just the elites. And it was very obvious last year that was the case. And I would hate to have that be the case for the AFC and NFC Championship game. It should be the Zealots. You're right, no, 100%. I, I completely agree. 100%. And then I remember the uh, the Super Bowl parade was pretty lackluster. And I think part, of, I think part of it is that, that that town has too many too many options, too many teams. I mean, yeah. how excited are you going to get when you have two NBA teams, two uh, MLB teams, an NHL team, and two NFL teams? Um, yeah, L.A., you gotta you gotta share the wealth, <laughs> spread spread yeah, those options around. It's just so much, uh, but I also think that's probably why the uh, you know the the fanatic uh, watchers of these sports they probably have an easier recovery if things don't go their way. Oh well, I I still have the Lakers to cheer for. Oh, I still have you know the the Angels to cheer for. What you know all these things that they could like turn to. Whereas if you're, you know, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan in Kansas City, you know, good luck Royals. I don't know. That's like all they have, right? So, yeah, um, I think yeah. Uh, Royals, I Chiefs, think it. Sure. Yeah, I think it means more when you don't have seven major league teams. <laughs> totally. Um, well, let's shift some gears here. Let's pick up the pieces of some coaching hires, Trevor. First interesting off, well, stuff. we only really have three. To, yeah, very interesting. Three to really touch base on that are really important. And you can either, in any order you want to, but I'll just name them right now. The Panthers hired Frank Wright as a head coach. Um, we have Bill O'Brien going back to the New England Patriots offensive coordinator. And your boy, um, Mike, uh, I want to say Michael Fleur. He's, he's the one that got fired. Um, <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett goes to New York Jets to Hackett in New York. So, right. um, yeah, that's what do you think of those hires and starting off with whoever you want to pick first? So, you know, my, my favorite one and probably the, the shortest discussion uh, is the, uh, the Frank Reich hire uh, in Carolina. Um, I love it because, you know, he was, he was drafted by the Bills in like, 1985 to play quarterback um and he he bounced around a bit but he signed with the carolina panthers in their inaugural season in 1995 he was their first qb1 uh and now he's gonna be head coach um it's just it's very full circle Uh, i was reading a little bit about it he's got a lot of family in that area um so so he's got a lot of uh you know, a lot of support network in place. He's gonna, he's gonna thrive there. Uh, you know, outside of work. Not that they have a, a whole lot of life outside of work when they work these jobs. Um, but uh, but it's it's just uh, you know me. I love a good story. And to me, that's that's a great story. Their their first ever quarterback for the franchise is their new head coach. I love it. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Frank, I, I thought Frank Reich kind of got a bad deal in Indy, but he was kind of given the keys to a lot of things, just never really got the quarterback. And I think he deserves a, a head start, uh, a fresh start, but I can't help but feel like Steve Wilkes, the, the head coach that was there, who didn't get the job, he ended up going 6-6 six and six the rest of the year once uh, Matt Rule got fired. Like, he kind of got a bad deal, and it seemed, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm going to jump to conclusions here, so bear with me, but it seemed a little... Um, 
how can I put this? I mean, I know the NFL's got a lot of racial undertones, so I don't really know how to say this other than saying it, but it seemed a little strange to me, um, and I don't think I'm the only one that thought that. You know, you know um, I, I really... Yeah. I, I really haven't kept an eye on it. Steve Wilkes was the interim. Yeah, yeah, and he also interviewed for the job. Went six and six as the head coach. Brought him back from one and six, one and well, I guess it'd be one and four, right? Um, and there's a lot of discussion if that's racially motivated, and some people think it is that he didn't get the job because of it. Right. And um, there's yeah, and and his there was a. His lawyer came out and said there's a legitimate race problem in the NFL, and Brian Flores said it a couple, uh, a couple years ago or last year. And I remember, yeah, that was a big deal. Doesn't surprise me yeah. that that's the case. So, yeah, no, and, uh, and it yeah. seems that we get at least one example of this every time this year with this coaching carousel. Um, it's it's uh, it's crazy how quickly we move on because that was that was the situation in Miami, and now the you know the in hindsight the decision to go with uh, the boy genius that there is there now looks pretty solid. Um, but, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, hopefully he's getting interviews. Sorry, uh, Wilkes, Mike Wilkes, is that his name? Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hopefully he's getting interviews other places because to take Carolina midseason and then finish 6-6, six and six, you know, as the interim uh, I, I would think there are other uh, teams out there that would give him a look, because um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not quite as uh, as big as last year in terms of there being ten teams with new coaches, but there's what at least five or six already. So I, I would think he'd be getting interviews, um, but yeah, that's. That's always a tough one because it's really a difficult thing to prove, you know. Um, but it does feel that way, and that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, you know, it's you know, white a lot of white owners, <laughs> and I'm not gonna make a. Yeah, I'm trying not to bring the discussion into the football podcast about football, but I mean, it's hard to not talk about it, and um, it's unfortunate, really. It really is. Um, and hopefully it gets corrected and something happens legally here. So moving on, um, the Bill O'Brien backs the Patriots. That's got to be comforting for Mac Jones. If you were, if you heard the news and Trevor, I don't know if it was in Denver, if you heard it or national, but, um, there was a, a scathing report done by the Boston Herald about the, uh, the tribulations of the New England Patriots locker room and the season in regards to the offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge that it was a complete nightmare and there was a lot of comments from somebody internally and sources leaked about things that were going on and um, needless to say they don't have jobs anymore or they don't have they can't run the offense so Billy O'Brien comes back and it's there's a lot of hope that he can work with Mac Jones who he didn't work with at Alabama but yeah um, you know sort of did as as he was coming out so you know, this- as Mac, jo- Mac Jones is getting drafted. This one actually popped up on my LinkedIn, um, you know, because oh. uh, I, I was ready to head to Foxborough to, uh, to you know, interview. <laughs> but, uh, Naturally, you know, yeah. O'Brien, I think O'Brien will do just fine. Final, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm. He was there before with Brady, um, which probably says something. <laughs> but, I mean, the hope is, is that 
he's an actual offensive coordinator, not a fat guy with a pen in his ear. So, <laughs> you know, well, he's still fat, but, you know, he's not a fat slob. Well, that's not true either. But <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not Matt Patricia. So that'll be an instant upgrade. So yeah, I, uh, moving I think on so. to... I think so, yeah. Yeah. To your boy, Nathaniel Hackett, that moved on from Denver, went up to the East Coast, is now the offensive coordinator in New York. Um, well, there seems to be some writing on the wall here, and I'm, I can't wait to get into it over the next few months, but you made an interesting comment for a game on the podcast. What do you think might happen here? So, I mean, this is just, uh, at this point, this is just typical uh, Denver fan speculation, because uh, the the idea when when Denver hired Nathaniel Hackett was that it would make Denver an even more appealing destination for Aaron Rodgers. Um, well, now Nathaniel Hackett no longer a head coach, which I think is for the best. I think he's got a long future coaching, but uh, you know his debut as a head coach was just a disaster. Um, but I think he's, I think he's going to do great at, you know, he was a great quarterbacks coach. I think he'll be a great offensive coordinator. Um, but the speculation here is that the jets could end up with Aaron Rodgers with the same recipe that the Broncos attempted when they hired Nathaniel Hackett and, uh, the Broncos Broncos country, uh, could be watching the, uh, the jets, uh, you know, with, exactly what they wanted um so i i personally don't believe it i i think uh you know if you ask me right now i'll tell you that aaron Rodgers is gonna be a green bay packer next year um because uh because life is cruel to the nfc north that way um but uh man i'd, I'd love it to, I, i'd love to see him on any other team honestly because uh it'd just be a, a really fun story but uh, but right now, I think the whole Nathaniel Hackett Rogers connection is very thin. No doubt, yeah. It's um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's interesting. Um, there seems to be something here, <laughs> you know. And it would make sense that he would go to New York. Would it not? Would it not make any sense? I mean, I think he'd fit in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think he would do well, and I think that's. I think uh, not only that, but I think that's the kind of tension he's looking for. You know? Well, I, I think it'd give the Jets a lot of balance. Um, they've got a lot of good young pieces in place on offense, uh, but they clearly uh, have a much better defense when you look at their season. Uh, the offense really wasn't a lot to uh, get excited about after Brees Hall got injured. Um, but, uh you know, mostly just head scratching, looking at them jump back and forth between these quarterbacks and never really sticking with Mike White or what's his name? Zach Wilson. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, bringing in a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he could really get, you know, a lot of use out of, uh, gosh, I can't think of their rookie wide receiver, but he had a really good year. Um, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. So with with things like that in place, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be a great destination for him. No question. Well, that's uh, something to keep an eye on, and you know we're going to talk about it. There's plenty of <laughs> so much. Plenty of uh, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of miles on this horse. So just buckle up because 
you listened last year, they, you know how much I love talking about Aaron Rodgers week yeah, to week. I might the, as well just be a sideline reporter for his life. So. The off season might as well just call the podcast. Uh, might as well call it. Where is Aaron Rodgers going to play? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Where's yeah, like where's Waldo? Except he's on <laughs> right. he's on mescaline in ayahuasca. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. So. We're going to move back a week, and Trevor, specifically, we're going to talk about three storylines that came up at the NFC Divisional, NFL Divisional Playoff Round, and t- then we get to the Conference Championship game. Specifically, I know you want to lead off with this, and uh, I'm curious about it as well because it had to be the most cockamamie thing I've ever seen. Um, it's just very bizarre. The Dallas Cowboys finished in that San Francisco 49ers game. Um, yeah, I mean, Dalton Schultz, I don't know how you don't toe tap and bounds there. I, don't, I have no idea how that happens because he had enough room to definitely do it, but he had no awareness of where he was when he caught the ball, obviously. And, well, one of the more bizarre formations we'll ever see. Oh, so. and, 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 I mean, that was kind of the thing. You, you saw them line up for that last play, that last great effort, down by seven to score a touchdown and take it to overtime. Uh, but as they lined up, I, it was so. It's like okay, this is going to be one of those plays that we see for decades. Uh, it's going to be rerun for decades because it's just like what, what is happening here? Zeke checked in as ineligible to snap the ball with no O line around him. Uh, the ball snaps, and you see all the. They've got a bunch of O linemen on the field out to the right, like wide right, and they don't even move. They don't even move when the ball gets snapped. Um, it was just a disaster. And and to me, the really funny thing about this is that last week on the podcast, we actually mentioned what a bizarre finish we had to this game last year where, you know, Dak scrambles, gets the yardage, slides, but then spikes the ball with zero time left on the clock. It was so anticlimactic. And this was a step above that. It was just weird. And uh, it's not what you expect to see in these games. These games are the best teams left playing for it all. And I, I, who, I don't know who puts that kind of play together, who says, oh, this is the situation for this one. It, it just made no sense at all. Mike McCarthy. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, terrible. I mean, another, um, more evidence of him struggling in a, well, a clutch situation coaching-wise. It's been seen many times. (laughs) Here we are again, you know. Uh, Kellen Moore, even, too. I I don't know if he'll be back as an offensive coordinator. I think think I heard he's going to be out. I mean, I I honestly think that a three-yard out route might have been a better decision in that situation. Um, yeah. <laughs> TJ Hawkinson, maybe he'll right. make some magic happen. Uh, but like yeah, this, this was just weird. Very brutal. Yeah. Very brutal. Um, second headline, I mean, which this was kind of to be the most bizarre game of the weekend. I'm not talking about the Philadelphia Eagles game. I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. Wow. You know, I, I didn't expect it to be this one-sided, but that that game could have been easily been in the forties for Cincinnati, and I don't think I don't think Buffalo had a chance to score more than ten. I, they didn't look like they wanted to. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a very strange game. 
so, watching how like emotionally drained Buffalo was. I'm not sure if it was that or if it was just they were sleepwalking or what it was. They were playing down to their own level. I, I don't know. It was it was strange to watch that game. Yeah, Cincinnati it, was firing on all cylinders. It's you know? really hard to figure out what was going on with the Bills. Uh, something was off. Um, but you know, it, it, my the only thing I can come up with it doesn't even sound like it really explains it. But you know, the Bengals went up fourteen to zero in the first quarter of the game, and the the shocking thing there, uh, and throughout the rest of the game, really was just how well the Bengals did on offense with with three starting O linemen out. Um, I, I I picked the the Bengals to win this game. I thought it would be a really tight, really tough game uh, because basically with that many O-linemen out, you know, it, it really does take away the deep ball, and that's one of the things that makes the Bengals really dangerous is Jamar Chase uh, catching the deep ball from Joe Burrow. Um, and, and we didn't really see that much. Um, it was just a really, really well-coached, well-game-planned offense with – uh, a double dose of Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, and a lot of just you know three steps and release the ball from Joe Burrow, and uh, and they've got a lot. They've got so many playmakers on uh, on offense there that man, it it it's just like when Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon were both out, the Bengals didn't slow down a bit, um, and and yeah, I didn't think that they'd win by seventeen. It was bizarre, and as Joe Burrow said, um, rightfully so, and probably one of the greatest post-game interviews you'll ever see, I guess everybody needs to get a refund <laughs> for what they plan on doing next week, you know? Right. Um, it, was impre- it was impressive. They're an impressive team. I-, I don't think anybody expected Buffalo to be put away, but I think I just the coaching was very bizarre. They seemed very, like like I said, sleepwalked, emotionally drained, aloof during yeah. the game. and. Josh Allen didn't play well, and it was it was a strange game to watch. Yeah. Stephon Diggs was in as at odds with him. Yeah, the the, strange. the Bills' offense really didn't look like they had a game plan. It just looked like they were exactly calling plays. Um, you know, the the Bengals, they it, it was pretty obvious after the first quarter what they thought their recipe needed to be. It worked. They stuck with it, and they dominated. Absolutely. Yeah, dangerous AFC Championship game we got coming up, but it will be affected by Patrick Mahomes and a high ankle sprain. Um, pleaded, you know, Pat pleaded with Andy Reid to get back in the game. Chad Henney, we, there was a Chad Henney sighting. It's very exciting. <laughs> I, I'm sure that'll that'll be on uh, on the the playoff bingo if you're playing that. Um, yeah. It, I don't know how it's going to affect him going into the AFC Championship game, but he barely could do anything when he was out there after he came back in. But, well, you know, if you have Travis Kelsey, I think you could be throwing the ball, Trevor, honestly, and I think he would be okay. So. Right, right. And I do think that they have a really good backup with Chad Henney. I think he uh, fits their scheme pretty well, and they've got a lot of confidence in him. Um you know, Patrick Mahomes came back in to finish the game. Uh, they got a solid victory, 27 over 20. Um, but uh, what, I'm, what I was hearing uh, 
earlier in the week listening to uh, former athletes talk about these kind of injuries is that, yeah, it's not surprising he was able to come back into the game because a high ankle sprain, it, it takes a while to hobble you. Um, they said, yeah, he, he came back into the game, but he'll be on crutches on Monday. Um, wow. So, you know, this is the NFL. These are world-class athletes with the best care possible. Um, so anything's possible. He could come out and look like his usual self this weekend, or you might you might not see him play. It could. I haven't. I haven't really seen a lot uh, come out of the Chiefs organization. I mean, they they say, or sorry, Patrick Mahomes said, you know, he will be playing, um, and mm-hmm. that's that's what you want to hear from Patrick Mahomes. Um, but whether right. or not we actually see it is a is a bit of a mystery. So. Um, yeah, yeah, either way, I think, uh, I think, uh, Travis Kelsey's going to get his, and I think the Chiefs are going to be pretty competitive. Yeah, no question. Uh, yeah, it's, it will certainly affect him. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean he's, it basically takes him down from probably like the best player in the league to like the 10th best player in the league. That's right, here. right. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it's only going to affect him slightly. Um, although, you know, like, and I heard this on the radio, um, and maybe this goes along with my point is that, you know, Patrick Holmes goes from one of the best creators without a sprain ankle to now the best pocket passer in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's what I mean. Like it's he's, he's not going to be as mobile. Ridiculous. It doesn't mean that right. he's not going to be able to, uh, make magic happen from the pocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Very true. Well, Let's talk about the games, my friend. We got a lot to talk about here to analyze. It's first up on the slate. It's one o'clock on Sunday afternoon. You get this, or at least here on the Mountain West time. If you're lucky enough to be in California, you get them at noon, and that's wonderful. You get a lunchtime NFC Championship game. That must be really cool. So, get the San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles, a two and a half point favorite to Philadelphia, over under 46. Trevor, um, Jalen Hurts doesn't look like he was affected much by that. They got a clean sweep of New York Giants, and well, what can you say about Philly? You get, they get an NFC Championship game. San Francisco has to go on the road to Philly. Probably the most equipped team to do that, considering the defense. A team that these are two teams that haven't played in a while. No rematch here, which is kind of refreshing. Right, um, right. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's compelling nonetheless. So, it, in my opinion, these are these are the two best defenses left. Um, in my opinion, they're the two best defenses all season. Um, in, in the whole league, there's not like a better defense that isn't still, still in the playoffs. Um, so, uh, right away, the 46 over under, I think I'm going with the under in this one. Um, but I am going to take Philadelphia. I take them to beat the spread. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but I do think the Eagles, uh, you can look at metrics all you want. But uh, but that doesn't always tell the whole story. I think the Eagles' defense is the best defense in the league. I think it's better than even the 49ers. Um, I think that both of these teams are pretty stacked on offense as well in terms of their weapons. Um, and and even if Brock Purdy continues to play as well as he has been, I think I think he's going to get outplayed by Jalen Hurts. I do. Um, I think, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to take them to beat the two and a half point spread. 
Um, I don't see them winning by much more than a touchdown, but uh, Philadelphia is a brutal place to go play on the road, especially in the playoffs, and I like the Eagles in this one. Yeah, the irony here is that before the season started, I, you and I had a pretty spirited discussion about whether a run-first team could make a Super Bowl and possibly win it. <laughs> right. Uh, well, here we are. <laughs> NFC Championship game, run-first team, Philadelphia Eagles. I, I don't know if it's run-first San Francisco. It's probably not. I mean, they they do enough where it's kind of is, but it isn't, and it just it depends on the game plan of Kyle Shanahan, so... But nonetheless, you said you hit the nail on the head, two best defenses in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles have one of the best pass rushes we've ever seen. Um, ironically, the San Francisco 49ers have a higher pass rush win rate or like pressure rate. It's one of the highest in the NFL ever recorded. Right. So well, and two uh, best defensive lines in the league, it's just it's gonna be an onslaught. Well, and that's sure. that's another place where it gets really interesting. Um you, you have also, some of the best O linemen in the game today in this game. Um, Trent Williams. Yeah. Trent Williams, uh, Jason Kelsey. Lane Johnson. Uh, yeah. John, Lane Johnson. So, Lane Johnson and uh, Trent Williams, both OU graduates. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty tough matchups. We're going to see. See what you did there? What, yeah, what is that? Yeah. You know, I, I see what you did there. I, I, I gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. throw my love out there. Um, but wow. uh, man, it's it's gonna be an absolute, you know, clash of the titans every every down of this game. The the trenches are just it, it's the best guys in the game now. Um, and uh, ultimately, I just think I think the Eagles have just a little more talent on those units and just a little more depth. Uh, on the D line than than the than the 49ers have, um, I uh, and then you know you combine that with uh, you know who the quarterbacks are, where they're playing, and you know two of my it might be my two favorite uh, tight ends that don't play for the Vikings, um, George Kittle and Dallas Goddard. Those are the two of the best guys in the game right now. Um, it's just going to be a really, really great matchup. Yeah, no question. Um, you failed to mention Jalen Hurts, at Oklahoma Sooner. Oh yeah, Jalen Hurts. He doesn't play O line. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, right. But uh, right. but no, that is. I am glad you brought that up because uh, you know I was looking at a comparison. Um, you know Brock Purdy uh, as the uh, quarterback for uh, Iowa State actually played Jalen Hurts when he was with OU in college and it was a pretty electric, I mean, this is kind of like, uh, it was almost as good as, uh, Mahomes Baker Mayfield in college, uh, in terms mm-hmm. of like the total touchdowns for each quarterback, the yardage, the completion percentage. It was a quarterback clinic when these two guys faced each other in college. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and now here they are, uh, uh as, as unbelievable as it is that, that Brock Purdy is uh, Mr. Irrelevant starting quarterback in the NFC Championship game, it's not the first time that these two quarterbacks have faced each other. So, Totally. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was an electric game. Um, a 40, what, 40, 50-point game with Brock Purdy coming down, scoring a touchdown, and then trying to get the two-point conversion to win the game or tie it, and uh, through an interception. So, right. 
Yeah, I don't expect it to be in those point totals either, Trevor. I think you hit the nail on the head. And under is, seems to be applicable here, oh, especially yeah. with the weather in Philly right this now. Is, uh, this so. is not the Big 12. <laughs> no, <laughs> certainly not. Uh, I don't think anybody would excuse it, would mistake it for it, but um, it is going to be a slugfest. It's going to be very physical, um, slightly under for me as well, and I, it's hard for me to pick against Philadelphia here, especially with uh, a rookie quarterback in the NFC Championship game on the road. That I, that I don't like that at all. I, I know Brock Purdy's been good. He's been safe. Kyle Shanahan can protect him. I, it still doesn't sound good to me. So uh, just on the basis of like the optics or the haptics of that, I'm going to take Philadelphia with an under and two and a half. I expect him to win by a touchdown. So there you have it. Yeah, I think we I think we that agree on that one. Yeah. Right, right. It's going to be interesting. I I like I like this week because there's so much media coverage, obviously going on in the Super Bowl. But like, if you get a chance to watch the pre games for these these two games. Um, they usually do like a two or three hour one on ESPN or like a two hour one on Fox. And they do like interviews of like, like I want to hear Brock Purdy. I never really seen an interview of him. And I want to hear him speak and I guarantee they'll have a nice interview of him and like his family story and whatnot. I think it'll be worth watching. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and Hafunga from 49ers, I think if they do win, Hafunga is going to have a big play, like a Troy Palomalo type play. Heck yeah. Not because he looks like him, <laughs> but because there's, there's something because he there. Plays like feel, and, because he plays like him. He does. He does play like him, really. I mean, geez, he's like all over the field. And Fred Warner, Fred Warner is something else. Um, an amazing player, and if they do win, it'll be cut be because of those two players right there, Hafunga yeah. and then Fred Warner. He was insane last week, absolutely insane. Well, so. since you said Troy Polamalu, I have to share. I saw a uh, an old blast from the past meme about Troy Polamalu recently, and it uh, said like uh, you know. 71% of the planet is covered by water, and the rest is covered by Troy Palomalu. <laughs> there you have it. I love, yeah, I love Funga a good... has taken over that. I love a good Palomalu <laughs> meme. Uh, <laughs> I, I did like the commercial with the, the, the Old Spice hair. Or was it like Dove? I don't remember. Uh, head and shoulders. Head and shoulders. Hair, somebody, yeah. Somebody massaging him. Yeah, anyway. Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs, a one-point favorite of Kansas City. Um, this, is fi- uh, this is Trevor's favorite line, one-point favorites, 47.5 over under. Um, it's a 4.30 start on CBS, so here on the Mountain Time Zone, if you're in California, once again, you get 3.30, so this will be a really nice game to cap off Sunday. You just go right to bed afterwards after eating a bunch of food. And um, rematch the AFC Championship game. Kansas City's been here five times. They, they're no strangers to this. Cincinnati's sort of their annoying neighbor, and here they come again. Yeah. Back in Kansas City. Well, they beat them three, three straight times. You know, I, 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 I heard a lot, you know, last week and even more this week about, you know, Joe Burrow's record against the Chiefs. He's never been beaten. And, and uh, I don't really buy into a lot of that. If, if that sort of thing meant a lot, then uh, the Cowboys would have lost to the Buccaneers. Uh, but uh, but I do have to pick the Bengals here. I've been I've been on the Bengals wagon since October. Um, I think that they're uh, I think they're the toughest team to beat in the NFL uh, this year, and uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I do, but I'm going to take the Bengals to win, and with a one point spread, I got to take them to beat that spread. I like them to win by at least a field goal. 
Um, the over-under, 47. Uh, I'm taking the over on this one. I think even even without Patrick Mahomes or even with a limited Patrick Mahomes, I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to put up big points. Um, I think uh, Jarek McKinnon and uh, the other guy that had a really great week last week. Pacheco. Pacheco, thank you. I knew it started with a P. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs running backs are going to be a big part of this game. Of course, uh, Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey also. Um, but uh, I, uh, I've been taking the Bengals to go all the way since, since October, and I'm sticking with them because they, they keep overcoming every, you know, every time you think, like, oh, they, they're not 100%, maybe, maybe they won't play so well. They just they look completely unfazed. You know, three starting O-linemen out, and they just ran the ball right down the, the you know, Bills' throats. Um, I like I like the Bengals to go all the way, and I still do. So, okay, no, I like the call, and um, yeah, you, if there's anything, Trevor, you're fair and consistent. That is <laughs> both your middle names. It's hyphenated. Um, that's right, Trevor, fair and consistent couple. <laughs> yeah, that's that that just spells President of the United States. Right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I I I do anticipate on this ankle situation being difficult for Mahomes and um their offensive line's been okay um Cincinnati you know I mean they they can generate pressure with Hendrickson and um Hubbard and Logan Wilson it's something about these linebackers it's you know they they just come alive in the playoffs he had a really good game last week in in the wild card and I wouldn't be surprised here if he continued to play top top level football and those two safeties they drafted came alive last week, Cam Taylor, Britt, and Dax Hill, and I think that'll be the difference here for Burrow and the Bengals going into Burrowhead and uh, <laughs> oh stealing one, stealing one from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think over under forty seven and a half. I mean, you know, Kansas City this time here can get quite cold. It's going to be thirty five degrees, uh, kind of a night game, I guess, to some degree. I don't really know what the weather will look like, but I did hear there's going to be snow across the United States during on Saturday. I don't know if that's going to affect the Midwest at all, but I'm going to assume that uh, that's an over slightly, and yeah, I'll take Cincinnati as well. Yeah, I, 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 you can't you can't bet against them right now. Ten or I'm, ten in a row, oh, and, uh, eleven in a row, right? Something yeah, like this this game. This game feels like a 28-21 Bengals victory to me, uh, which would take yeah. it take it just over the the over under there. Um, yeah, and, uh, but I mean, now that I've made my picks, I'll say uh, and I, I've been talking to a lot of people this week about it. I'm really excited for these games because I can't picture a disappointing Super Bowl matchup. No matter how these two games play out, I'm going to be really cool. excited for what comes next. It's just going to be there's there's no possibility of a well that Super Bowl isn't interesting. Uh it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's going to be very compelling if you get Cincinnati and Philly um Cincinnati going back for a second year, Philly coming back for first time in a while, but um with a completely different offense than they had 5 years ago when they went to the well, Super we could Bowl, we could end up with a Chiefs 49ers you know, Super Bowl rematch. Um That would be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. these would be really great. Cincinnati and Cincinnati, San Francisco from the '80s. You know that'd be fun. Yep. You know, I like that. Andy Reid playing the a- Eagles. Andy Reid against the Eagles. Eagles. There's so many good things lot. to look forward to. Right. Right. There's a lot of compelling football that could be had going into the Super Bowl, possibly in the next few weeks. So, 
Well, we've enjoyed it, and we've enjoyed talking about the Conference Championship games here today. Trevor, do you have any lasting thoughts or um, burning desires before we you know, just, call it a show? Just really, uh, same as last week, you know, there's only three games left. They're all going to be really great. Uh, so don't miss out. Uh, I'm not. I'm not telling you to to shirk your responsibilities, but you know you might need to because uh, this is the best time of year if you just love football. Um, so yeah, don't miss these games. They're, these are the, these are the games that we'll be talking about for years to come. Um, no, nobody's talking about what happened to these teams in 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 week ten. You know, we're, we're, we're in the playoffs now. This is championship football. Uh, you're not going to want to miss. Yeah, no question. It's it's probably, I'm, I'm trying, yeah, I mean, Kansas City, Cincinnati last year, and L.A., and I can't, San Francisco last year? I'm pretty sure, right? So, um, three of the four teams return. Extremely competitive. I mean, you really can't get more compelling matchups than this. They're literally the four best teams in football. We've known that all season long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's been consistent outside of Buffalo, um, being not being here. Like these, literally, we've all considered the four best teams in football basically the whole year. So that's rare that you get that, um, and you get them here. There's no, there's no wild cards. There's no underdogs. There's just straight up. Just yeah. Look, yeah. I mean, look at the spreads on these games. Nothing just strong. Teams. Both spreads yeah. are less than three points. That's because you've got right. you got nothing but good teams left. It's just great. Right. It's great, man. We'll enjoy it. We'll be back next week to recap the conference championship games and all the stuff. If you are listening, please give us a like, a subscribe, a follow. It really helps. Share it to your friends, your family. Um, I don't know. Um, distant relatives in Germany. Possibly <laughs> significant others or pen pals in prison. You may want to hear <laughs> from the two fabs of football um, and the most... The least, the most least stereotypical people to ever record a podcast. <laughs> two chubby guys with beards. <laughs> two white chubby people with beards. It doesn't get any less stereotypical than that. Yeah. In fact, uh, I would say we're a rarity in the podcast world at this point. We're sort of like unicorns. So <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility that you would listen to this and somehow be inspired to start your own. Because hopefully you are a football fan, and you enjoy this. (laughs) So, without further ado, until next week, we'll recap the conference championship games, talk about the Pro Bowl, anything else that comes up. Until next time, we're out.